victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with His redeeming blood. He We are in the book of Acts, chapter number 13. Brother Jason Tuhig read the text for us. My sermon subject is a hunger for the truth. Do you know what it is to hunger for the truth? Oh, I'm sure that you do. If you've been saved at any length of time, you hear a certain amount, you read a little bit in the Scriptures, and you begin to hunger for the preaching, the teaching of the Word of God. Starvation is always a horrible sight Especially we see that among little children. Children that are hungry. Spiritual starvation and malnutrition are equally horrible and far more prevalent than physical hunger. As Amos once prophesied in Amos chapter 8, verse number 26, there's a famine in the land, not for bread and water, but for the hearing of the word of the Lord. A famine in the land for the hearing of the word of the Lord. That's Amos chapter 8 and verse 12. It says, when Paul and Barnabas continued their journey, they found this true, even in a very busy affluent commercial hub of activity there was still hunger for the truth if you have a hunger for the truth you thank God you got it you want to hear the truth you might ask yourself Why do you come to this church? Well, if you're 
like what I would think. You said, I come here because I think this is where I hear truth that I want to hear. The truth that I want to hear, I believe I'll hear it here at Temple Baptist Church. Well, I think you're wise in doing that. There are some who would come and hear, but it's not what they want to hear. And so they leave and they'll never come back because what they hear, they didn't want to hear it. Um, and believe you me, not everybody believes like the average Baptist. A few years ago, I received a phone call from a lady whom I did not know and uh, she asked me, she said, uh, are you the pastor of Park Ridge Baptist Church? I said, yes, I am. I want to ask you, will you baptize my baby? Well, I thought it was a joke, but it wasn't a joke. I said, yes ma'am, I'll baptize your baby if you will tell me the scripture that I'm supposed to read when I baptize your baby. She said, well, I don't know what the scripture is. It's just, you're the preacher. You're supposed to know what the scripture is. I said, that's the problem right there. I said, I don't know of any scripture that teaches that you're supposed to baptize babies. Well, why do, be, why do they baptize babies? I said, it's not in the Bible. They baptize babies because it's tradition. That's the only thing I can think of. There's no scriptural reason for it. Well, she said, what should I do? I said, well, to be honest with you, if it's my baby, I wouldn't, bat my, I wouldn't have my baby baptized. Why do something there's no scriptural reason for it? Well, anyway, I don't know as I ever saw that woman. But nonetheless, she's late, didn't come to our church. I probably didn't go to church anywhere. Because if she had gone to some church, she probably would have asked her pastor and maybe he would have done it. A lot of things happen in churches there's no reason for it. Unscriptural. No reason for it at all. But I want you to notice um, in Acts chapter 13 verses 13 and 14 he says, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos. They came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. 
And when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Bethsaida and went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Now here we find that Paul and Barnabas who had been in Cyprus came into Asia Minor known today as Turkey. There was a town there named Antioch of Pesaida, not the Antioch of Syria, home of the church and town. Antioch of Pesaida was a communication link of Asia Minor. And being a Roman colony, it was like a miniature Rome, no doubt. Its language, its coin inscription were Latin. When Paul and Barnabas came into this city, they didn't know anybody. They were there because of the burden that they had for evangelism in a hungry world. Oh, may God give us a hunger to see lost people saved. They came into the synagogue on a Saturday and they found seats in an Orthodox Jewish synagogue in verse 14. <clears throat> and of course they were visitors. And they stood out as visitors. Then I want you to notice secondly the survey and offer in Acts chapter 13 verses 15 through 41. The synagogue rulers read the law and the prophets. Then they asked their visitors if they had any word of exhortation. Well, this is in verse 15. Any word of exhortation to share, brethren? No doubt, excitement must have pulsated through Paul's body. What a choice moment that the Lord has presented to him at this particular time. Well, my, my. God had given Paul and Barnabas a green light. Here they were in the synagogue in verse 16. At the center of the continent where what they would say would no doubt be have at least have the potential to be spread in all directions from where they were. The message that Paul preached is the first recorded full-length sermon of his that we have. 
Although it was not a very long message, Paul's sermon, however, was powerful. He got the attention of those Jewish worshipers and rulers alike. Didn't take him long to do it. Now let's look at his message. In verses 16 through 22, he talks about Abraham to Jesus. He began in their territory with something they'd understand and made reference to no less than a dozen Old Testament texts which they were familiar with. And then he moved, however, he moved fast enough to maintain their attention. And that to me is a good sign of a good communicator. Let's read in verse 16. Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an high, hand, a high arm brought he them out. Verse 18, About the same time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. Afterward they desired a king. And God gave unto them the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom uh, also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill my will. Now, He begins in their territory something they understand and uh, I want you to notice next that in verses 23 through 31 the crucifixion and the resurrection Luke tells us that Paul and Barnabas were leaving 
But the people were begging them that these things might be spoken to them the following Sabbath. Now, that is a hunger for the truth. The next Saturday, nearly the whole city in verse 44 assembled to hear the Word of God. Now, it's not everyone that's interested in hearing the Word of God. They have but little interest in it at all. I want you to notice with me as I read to you from verse 23 of this man's seed hath God according to His promise raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance, all the people of, uh, uh, of Israel, and John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Meaning, brethren, in verse 26, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For that they dwelt at Jerusalem, and their rulers became, uh, because they knew him not, nor yet the voice of the prophets, which were read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. Though they found him no cause of death, in him yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. Isn't that awful? But God raised him up. Well, this is verse 29. When they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him up from the dead, and he was seen many days of them, which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. Well, folks, it's a shame. We find that there are people who are ready to destroy the Lord of glory. They don't know who He is, but they're ready to put Him to death. When they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ, those who were His crucifiers did not know what they were doing. Oh, they thought they did. Away with Him. Crucify Him. That was the cry that was made. But the truth of the matter is they didn't know who they were talking about. They didn't realize that this is the Son of God. 
They didn't realize what they were doing. But let me tell you something, folks. In it all, we must remember this always, and that is, even in the midst of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, God was fulfilling His sovereign will. He was fulfilling His sovereign will. Now, my next thing is getting that up. God did fulfill His sovereign will. He fulfilled... They crucified the Lord of glory, but in their crucifixion of the Lord of glory, they fulfilled the sovereign will of God. In order for us to have sins forgiven, there must be death. The wages of sin is death. Sin cannot be paid for apart from death. And therefore the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. And when He died, He paid your, he paid your sin debt. Now, is that not, that, uh, that's not the sin debt of every individual. It could be from the standpoint uh, uh, as far as living on earth is concerned, but not for salvation. What must I do to be saved was the question asked by Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? The answer to that is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The only way a person can be saved is only by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice in verses 46 and 47, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it's necessary that the Word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you, judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Folks, we thank God for that. We being Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles, notice in verse 48, heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. It's not everybody that believes but as many as were ordained to eternal life, they believed. You thank the Lord for that. God has a people. God has a chosen people. Yep. I heard a, a young boy pray. I can't remember 
who the boy was or where it was. I just remember it was a young boy praying. Uh, he had heard some things. He had heard some truth and he recognized it. But in that prayer that that boy prayed, he prayed and he made a statement like this. He said something to this nature, Lord, thank You for choosing me. Thank You for choosing me. Don't you thank God that He chose you? Amen. He didn't have to choose anybody. God didn't have to choose. He could have let the whole world go to hell. But you thank God in His divine providence He chose to save you. So, whoa, wait a minute, preacher. I chose the Lord. You may have. You may have. But I'll just tell you right now, He chose you first. Yep. He chose you first. When the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, He had you in mind. Yep. He knew for whom He was dying. Yep. He died for you in particular. Yep. He didn't just die at random hoping somebody would get saved. Now let me tell you something. He knew. He knew you in particular. Yep. He died for you Oh, can it be upon a tree the Savior died for me? My heart is thrilled, my soul is filled to think He died for me. Isn't that wonderful to know? Jesus Christ died for me in particular. He's loved you from eternity. Loved you before you were born. Loved you the day you were born. Loved you during those years when you were lost. Loved you right on up to your conversion. And it was the Spirit of God that brought you to a place of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God in His divine sovereignty brought you to a place to hear the Gospel. And by the way, no one is saved apart from hearing the Gospel. But before you got saved, you heard the Gospel. If you're saved at all, you heard the Gospel. And it was the Spirit of God that brought you to repentance. Brought you to the place that you recognized you were lost. Well do I remember when I got saved, sitting in a certain seat from the front right here at the end, Gravel Hill Baptist Church, Johnson City, Tennessee. I sat third seat in the front. I recognized as a lost boy. The Lord saved me. I sat right there at that, that little chair, uh, uh, 
third seat. Walked over and I told the preacher, I trust in the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Went home that night and I told mom and daddy, most wonderful thing happened to me tonight. I got saved. Oh, I thank God. You know what? That's never turned around. That's never turned around. Oh, the next Sunday we were in church. Thank the Lord for that. As a turnaround in our family when I got saved. I thank God for what He's done. Mom and Dad gone on now to be with the Lord. And here I am. I was about, I guess, 10 years old. Could have been nine. But I was about 10 years old. And now I'm, what am I? I'm 80. I'm 89. So it's what, what, 80 years later? No, I'm. You're 85. I'm 85. 86. Uh, Whatever it is, it's up there. Well, I'm just preaching. God knows. That's like some preacher's getting preaching and he's just preaching away. Somebody said, well, don't worry about it. He's just preaching. I'm still saved by the grace of God. Amen. I didn't save me. I didn't. I haven't kept me saved, but God has. Thank, thank you. As I look over this crowd, I wish there were some professing lost people here, but they're not any. Everybody here, to my knowledge, is a professing believer in the Lord Jesus. You thank God that you heard the gospel. Thank God that you've been saved by the grace of God. Oh, may God help us to live right, live right and do right. Serve the Lord faithfully. Now, Bonnie, we're going to be praying for you. you got work to do. Pray for Bonnie. If any of you are able to come around on Tuesday and help her out there at the front and she be bushing she along the side, all this stuff, going to be cutting all this stuff. I don't know what you're going to be doing. But, uh, uh, there's no money involved in it. If you just want to work, you're working as unto the Lord. And help Bonnie if you want to. I mean, on Tuesday, right? No, morning or afternoon? Morning. Tuesday morning. Alright. Let's all stand, please. Brother Wade, lead us in closing prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the one who loves us and willingly gave himself for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message that Paul preached that day and he declared the gospel was open even to us Gentiles. Heavenly Father, thank you that we Gentiles can receive salvation by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for bringing salvation to us. Be with us as we go from here, and I pray that we'll be back at the next appointed time. And I pray that all that we say and do will bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in His name. Amen. 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 Amen.